Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Forrest Stevens Show. It's uh, been hmm, a week, maybe, since I've recorded. Lots happened in a week. Uh, we've done a ton of construction on the house. Like when we moved here uh, three years ago, we knew there was an issue with the foundation with the entrance to the cellar. And I know this isn't interesting. We'll get into other things, but there are some of you who are following along just for insights into, uh, you know, just the story of my life, um, I guess, which is a weird thing to, to share, but it is something that I do share on this podcast. So if you have been following along, we fixed that foundation issue, poured a lot of concrete my first time having a ready mix, um, uh, dealing with that and building forms. And then we built a, um, a building on top of the cellar foundation, cellar wall foundation, cellar stairs foundation, which was an interesting thing to do as well. Uh, basically, I framed up, roofed, and side like sided and yeah, shingled um, a l- tiny house, like a like a really tiny house, like probably a hundred square feet or a little bit less, maybe even than that. Uh, And we did that in a weekend. We poured the foundation, let it sit a full, uh, basically 36 hours, and then uh, we started framing. And yeah, it was about three days of work, and that was a big thing to do um, for this house. So I know on the last, like so much has happened, like, but on the last podcast, I believe I talked a little bit about... uh, the house situation, which was, um, you know, I got into a big diatribe about being a landlord and renting out and finding the right renter and how you do that or how I was doing that. But we had our realtor come and visit the house and basically the house value has doubled and it was about 20% higher than I thought it was. And we reevaluated basically being like, how realistic is it to be a remote landlord? It had been a week delay of us waiting on this concrete. And we got talking to some other people that were like, oh yeah, it's impossible to find tradespeople here. And I just thought, this is a house that is a hundred years old. And I have put countless hours into into renovating it but a lot of that renovation was just maintenance just like like the gray water was a system that was built i don't know 60 years ago maybe maybe longer and it was clogged so our kitchen drain didn't drain we had to redo a whole new gray water system and actually build it to like a great a good standard of building and i'm just like there's other things about this house that will need that that are massive and if I'm not doing them, it's going to be very tough to get other people to do them here, which is just a weird reality of, of living remotely. And that came with, you know, that came with like a very good ability to earn income because of how difficult it is to actually manage this property. When you buy something in, uh, when you buy something in a, you know, in a, in a building, in a, in a city, you might have ability to hire a property manager. You might have ample options for electricians and plumbers and maintenance handyman or whatever. 
but you also have large condo fees. You have very competitive market. You have a very thin margin. You might only make a, a very, very small percentage back uh, compared to your expenses. Whereas we would have made a very big percentage back here uh, by monthly renting this, this house. But I think the amount of work that we would have to do, like it would be a lot less passive than, um, than a lot of real estate opportunities that are in more developed areas. So that comes with the territory of being more rural and also just the, the level, you know, this is a house that was, that we bought for $126,000, I think was what we, what the offer was that got accepted. So when you're talking about prices that are that low, you're talking about a house with character. <laughs> and we probably put, I, I don't know the exact number, but between, between 20 and 50,000 into this house, we probably put. And, and that could include like my time maybe as like, I don't know, $20 an hour, you know, like really lo like low for what it is. Um, you pay people a lot more to do the jobs that I've done here. And we got a lot of help from, um, my partner's dad as well. My father-in-law, like a ton of help, like a ton, a ton of help. Uh, we couldn't have done it basically without him, I would say. Or, I mean, we could have, but it would have just been a big, a much different story. And it would have taken longer and a lot less would have gotten done. Like half as much. I mean, he's been an incredible help is what is what I'm saying. Um, and and where we are now is, is uh, would have been much different without him. So, you know, with that, like, you know, what I'm saying uh, is that there was a good opportunity here to rent. There were good tenants, there was good value, uh, but it would have been a lot of work. And it would have been work that I don't enjoy. You know, it's it's work of like troubleshooting problems where I can't actually do anything about it besides make phone calls and make emails. And I hate talking on the phone. I've talked about this in the past, but I absolutely hate talking on the phone. And I hate trying to explain things to people and not really knowing myself what it is um, and trying to work with that person to a, like troubleshoot. Uh, troubleshooting is something I have a lot of anxiety about with talking on phones. So uh, troubleshooting through emails is actually not so bad though for me and through messaging and stuff because I can articulately um, say and express what I want to express. Uh, there can be a communication errors and things like that, but uh, that can happen over a phone. That can happen in person. I mean, communication problems is just because we all speak slightly different languages, even if we all speak, well, not even if we speak the same language, English or whatever it may be, we all speak a slight variation on there. You have to be able to speak uh, the colloquialisms to a degree especially to communicate very effectively. And um, you want to have people that you're working with on your team. And uh, yeah. So anyway, um, all those reasons made us list this house for sale. Literally, the, the sign went on in front of the driveway today. 
Uh, it's been a week since we, we chatted with the realtor and figured out that we were going to do that or a little less than a week, but it's been a busy week. And, uh, yeah, we made that decision a, a, a few days ago and we, it's felt, it's felt very sudden. Like we knew we were leaving. We knew we were renting. Um, we knew for sure, like a month ago, uh, we had inklings and ideas and thoughts for, uh, maybe a month more. Um, but we just weren't certain about uh, enough things to actually call it. Um, and we, uh, you know, it's very interesting. Like for the past three years, I have identified with this house in a way, uh, I've identified with this room that I'm in. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see, I have this phone behind me. Um, I have done things to this room to make it my, my studio, my office. And I, and, and I've done things to the bedroom to make it my bedroom, to make my bathroom, my bathroom, my kitchen, my kitchen, you know, my house, my house. And, and I've done that with a partner too, who is experiencing the same or very similar, uh, feelings as towards like just moving on from something like that that was and and i'll speak on my own behalf i mean she's she's dealing with uh her own uh feelings towards moving but with mine i one one part of me that is very reluctant to sell came up because uh so there's there's multiple things that, that came up multiple parts of me that that came up with with certain levels of fear um the one that i that i led into and i'll talk about now i just want to uh talk about the other one as well which i will just quickly say is the feeling that i've always been um that i've always sort of been very close to homeless i've lived in vans i've just hitchhiked and lived at staff -com. like basically all my adult life like even renting certain places i'm just like oh i can't be here for like basically more than a year like it's never felt like i've had a home until this house where i really like those hours that i spent working on this house i did not think about okay, well, this is costing me money because I could be spending my time doing something else or this isn't worth it. I like, I'm basically not paying myself enough to do this work on this house. It felt to me like I was building a nest. I was building a home and the hours I worked were justified because it made my house better. It was mine to make better. And it felt very powerful to do that. And so there's a feeling, um, uh, there's a feeling of like, and, and so what that also triggered with me was that I was leaving all this work behind. Like, yeah, I was doubling my money, you know, that's great. And, and actually with the, with leverage, like that the house price is doubling, but the actual money that I've invested in this is more than doubling because that's what happens when you, when you take out a, loan on something that increases in value um, more than the loan costs you right uh, basically this house has increased 33 percent every single year we've bought it uh, in value now some of that is added but some of that is market and a lot of that is market um, 
I'd say like 60% or 60 something percent of that would be market. Um, but the, the sadness that came over me, the part that came up was because I had put, I had invested all of this effort into something that I am walking away from. And it's like, the other thing too is, is I just made this office. Like I, I, I made this office into a space that I love and there's still a couple more things I want to do. And I'm, I'm kind of like rushed doing them to get the house ready to sell, like paint these floors. Like these floors are absolutely disgusting um, because they were covered with linoleum and the linoleum was covered with carpet and they are hardwood floors, but they're covered in paint. That's all chipped up. And that's why they put the linoleum over it. And it's like, I took all that shit off but I haven't gone to the point of either taking the paint off and exposing the natural hardwood or painting over it in a way that isn't all chipped and doesn't have paint from me painting the walls and just isn't disgusting basically. But so much of this house I have completed. Like the bathroom is amazing. The kitchen finally, like finally has reached a space of being nice. And like there were simple things like, the laundry room had like different colors of paint on it and paint that was all chipped up and really gross. And I just painted it and it took me, took me two days, but I was also doing all the other things that I've already talked about. And it looks amazing. It looks like, uh, it looks 10 times better. And it's like, we've been living here for three years and we didn't do that until we're moving because we know that it will bring in more, interest because the laundry room doesn't look like shit anymore because of the walls it's one of the basically painting is one of the easiest things you can do uh to make a place appeal to more people and when you appeal to more people you're going to get better offers and you're going to get quicker offers which make makes you actually more money as well because uh, the longer this stays here the more i have to pay mortgage and interest and uh heat and electricity and maintenance like i need to get somebody to mow the lawn it's like so all of the like everything we can do to make this house nicer in these last moments will actually potentially make us more money like drastically more money so that's uh something to consider right we have to make smart decisions like that but it's just like i didn't do that because i was just so used to living in that space and uh, that's a very interesting thing. That's almost like its own topic about how you just kind of get used to, like you can make a mess even, and you're just like, don't even bother to clean it up because you don't even notice it. Um, uh, and that's like, a, that's something that like, I, I've met some people who are, are ADHD and that's something that they have like real problems with. Like they make huge messes and they can just live in like absolute messes because their brain is just so sporadic that they're always going to focus on something else. And, you know, I have that to a degree. And I think we all have that to a degree where we have, we create blind spots, right? It's like, I never even thought about painting the laundry room because I had been gotten so used to it that I never even imagined it in something else. And my mind is elsewhere, right? My mind is on what I deem to be more important. Now it, it becomes something very important to do because I'm trying to sell the house. Um, but yeah, there's all this work, all this work that I put in, like, like we just, you know, this, this cracked cellar entrance 
it's been on my mind for three years because I'm like, is this going to collapse? Is this going to make it so that I'm not able to even get into my basement if I need to deal with any of my utilities that are down there? Is this going to, yeah, is it going to collapse? Like, excuse me. I was just like, you know, it was just something that's been on my mind, like figuring out, okay, are there concretes people that can deliver ready mix to here? Can they get their trucks back to this? Like just so many things racing through my mind about it. And now it's done. And it's like, oh, it'd be nice to live here and not have to think about that. And it'd be nice to live here and have nice painted walls in the laundry room and not have to not have to like realize that isn't nice when it's not like that or you know it's just i've done a lot of work here and i'm leaving it all behind and um you know i'm going to be renting and there's another part of me that is very relieved by the idea of renting because i just told you about uh, just a small fraction of the amount of work that i've done to this house i we have replumbed everything with like water and like water coming in and water going out we've re we've redone the electrical uh i've re-insulated um painted everything of course and built furniture that we sold or just just leaving with the house like uh yeah and bought in so many things that work in this this space and it's just like well you know i think it's just like if i if i if I go to a house now, it's like, I, I maybe I would buy another sort of like fixer-upper, but I'm not renting somewhere uh, that is a fixer-upper. You know, I'm renting somewhere that I am going to do a couple things to. Um, but it's also, it's also like I'm okay with doing those kind of things. And then there's so many things about uh, that place that is not my responsibility. So that, that's another part of me that is excited to be renting because I am not responsible for any of the things that go on with the, with the house that we're living in the cabin. And that feels really relaxing. It doesn't feel like I have any weight on my shoulder. Like this house has become a burden in a lot of ways. Um, well, for one, it's it's very it's too big for us. It's so big we have just like extra room, like an an extra room that we didn't have a need for, um, and yeah, just a lot of space, just a lot of space that is too much for two people. Like this is a house for two people and some animals, maybe, or two people and kids, right? This would be perfect for for a family, this place. And it's only perfect now because of all the work we've done in it. Like, holy crap, this house was a nightmare when we bought it. And no wonder it was only 126,000, you know? This place was a nightmare. But we could live in it. We could live in the nightmare and we could fix the nightmare. We could make the nightmare into the dream that it is now. Like, I really feel like Somebody's going to come here and see this house for sale and be like, this is perfect. Like, yeah, okay, we we can do some cosmetic changes, but this is awesome. This is great. When I came to this house, I was like, is this, is this awesome? Like, 
in some ways it is, but in other ways, I'm taking a huge risk here, big gamble. And I was, I was stoked for that gamble because in so many ways it was awesome just because of our living situation before this house, which was living in a, in a motor, a tiny motor home in the back of a family's property that was not suited for it. And oh my God, you know, 40 degrees Celsius in the summer in the motor home and unlivable in the winter, which is what, you know, we would have had to have gone somewhere else, right? We would have had to drive across the country or drive into another country and find somewhere to live and, and be that kind of nomadic, like, well, we don't really have anywhere to be. We don't have anywhere to call home. And it just wasn't suitable for us anymore, which is, I think something that happens to a lot of people who get into van life, you know, van life is such a crazy thing to me now. Like it's so crazy to me. Like I'm about to do van life for a month, but it's for a month. Like it's, it's exploring. It's being able to access places. It's being able to have all the joys of travel and some of the comforts of home. But to live that way is, I think, a lot harder than people have portrayed to me Um, because I've experienced it. And, And in some ways, it's okay and it's fine. But you really have to have the temperament and be at the place in your life where it's like that sense of where that sense of not really having a place to be doesn't bother you. You have to either be that type of person naturally, or you have to come to that sense of feeling as something that is so valuable to you because of the life that you've experienced. Is that the same thing? Did I just repeat myself? Um, I'm tripping up on the camera here and it's because I was scratching my balls and then I was like, oh, I just did that on the video. (laughs) It's like, I'll probably like fucking picking my nose and shit and doing all sorts of embarrassing stuff because I'm just tripping out here and forget there's a camera on me. Um, sorry to my female listeners right now (laughs) or to my sensitive ear listeners i shouldn't say female you can you can be male and be disgusted by what i just said as well you can be whatever gender you want to be and feel the way you feel that just kind of got me uh thinking about it got me thinking about like the whole bud light controversy and with dylan mulvaney and how like there was kind of a an attempt to actually boycott it which maybe that worked but i think actually what happened was it became such big news that that people were upset about this minuscule influencer campaign that Bud Light did with a transgender influencer. And uh, I think there was enough pushback from certain people that it became a news story. And then because it became a news story, there were people who would drink Bud Light with their buddies, you know, what, who's the demographic of Bud Light? Basically it's like bros and what do bros do? What do frat bros do? And what do good old boys do who drink Bud Light? They make fun of each other for anything. And it's in a joking way, but, but it like makes people change their behavior, like joking with people and telling, like making fun of somebody else. Like even if it, 
is okay in the, in that relationship and it's mutually like, you know, accepted, there still will be changes of behavior. Um, if something is mentioned enough, because you don't want to be associated with something like you, you kind of like just by, it, it's like a way of like not having that joke made is simply avoiding that being the, the butt of that joke. So that I believe is what change actually changed people's behavior and actually had an effect on Bud Light sales. Like, so for those who are not in on all of this, there was an effect by all of the news and people think, you know, it's the boycott that basically created, um, a lower amount of sales for Bud Light for Anheuser-Busch, the parent company. They reported lower sales of Bud Light and a lot of distributors did as well. And, you know, there's a lot of sales going on and there's all sorts of things like that. And what I'm saying is I don't think it's the boycott that did that. I, I think it's actually the perception of not wanting to be the butt of a joke and not wanting to be the one who's drinking a Bud Light and have somebody say, oh, what? Like, I can't even think like, uh, okay. What would a joke be that some douchebag would make to another douchebag? Um, uh, I don't know. You, you, you guys can make it up in your own head. Like, I mean, I, I can't even think of the joke <laughs> basically. Um, but you guys can, can make it up in your head, but it's basically something, uh, basically something offensive to like, uh, transgender people or people probably in the whole LGBTQ, uh, thing plus there's a plus at the end. It's kind of like Disney plus now. Um, and it's a streaming service is what I'm saying. Because why do all the streaming services have a, have a pl paramount plus it's going to be called max plus probably soon. Netflix plus, um, there's other pluses out there. But a lot of the streams for streaming stuff is, is pluses. Uh, what I'm saying is I think it, it, there's perception, right? And it creates like a perception of something being associated with something. And then those people not wanting to be associated with that thing, which is weird. Like, I, why would you care? But why would you care about being associated with a, a transgender influence, influencers or I, I don't get that. Like who gives a fuck, um, what other people are doing and who other people are. I, I couldn't care less. It's just so strange to me. Like if you like something, you like it. Uh, if you like Bud Light, you have terrible taste buds to begin with, uh, because it's just piss water. Um, but most beer is let's be real. And that's probably another reason why Bud Light sales have gone down is because the people who drink that piss water are just going to go to the next piss water. And it just doesn't matter. They're going to drink Molson light. They're going to drink, I don't know. Uh, Modelo is for some reason, the one popping up. Um, but it's, uh, just all garbage basically. Um, I like beverages as much as the next man, but I probably like them less actually than most people. I don't care that much about a beverage. Occasionally it's good, but I find it very strange in our culture. There's a lot of people who drink 
have have to drink something with when they eat like what about the food why do we need all this juice and liquid and syrup and like fermented tea which is beer or fermented juice which is wine and fermented fucking grains distilled into something and mixed with some syrup water uh, it's like why do we have to like coat our stomach with all this liquid as well um when we're eating i don't know it's weird uh <laughs> this really is that uh stream of consciousness tripping um that i do sometimes on this podcast i brought this book up this is my book here called tripping and the subtext is writings on life while tripping which is different than the subtitle that i have on its listing which is thoughts and insights from the trip tell me which uh, subtitle you like better maybe i'll change this one on here to thoughts and insights from the trip um i brought this up this book because uh that i wrote it's got me on the back if you're once again if you're watching on youtube it's got me on the back my face because i wrote it I wrote it over a year, um, and it was never supposed to be a book until I realized it could have been, it could be a book, and then I made it a book. It was just my thoughts while I was tripping. I tripped a lot in that year from the the combination. This was the big one. This was the big one for my creative brain, for my thoughts, for a lot of stuff, because it was very much mixed in this world and and a different world. Um, whereas I think like from what i've experienced and the, the people that i've talked to it's like when you do a psychedelic trip like dmt a lot of that ends up being like not as relatable and in some ways not as effective and not as much in this world like it's entirely like it's like an entirely different world and it's hard to bring it's hard to bring much tangible back, especially like I found like in writing and stuff like that. There is some and, and, and all that. But what I found was, a, was an interesting combination was uh, large amounts of cannabis, which already makes me think about all this wild shit. And um, the combination of that and like really intense physical and spiritual based yoga. So it's this physical movement where you get into the flow where all you can do is concentrate because if you want to do the position correctly and if you want to do it well, it takes everything you've got. And then that creates a clarity in my mind with the combination of cannabis where I go to somewhere else that I normally wouldn't because I'm having that kind of sensation of novelty that cannabis uh, creates. And I am having what I believe to be profound personal um revelations realizations uh thoughts so i write them down and uh you know it was an interesting experience because it would take me out of the physical act of doing that yoga and i would have to like uh, scribble something down or write something down in my notes or even say it you know speech to text in in google docs and then go back and kind of like revisit it afterwards when I'm when I actually have time. But this yoga would be so intense and so directed at different spiritual centers that it would bring up a lot of deep emotion for me um, and my partner. And we would sit and we would talk 
So these yoga sessions that were supposed to last an hour with the, the kind of cooperative, uh, peer therapy, uh, I say peer as in P E E E E E E R instead of pure, which is P U R E, um, peer therapy, uh, because my partner's not a therapist, I'm not a therapist, but we would go, but, but we understand therapy, um, and we've experienced therapy and we can speak therapy and we can experience therapy and these, uh, physically, spiritually targeted experiences would evoke, uh, past memories, trauma, experiences and and make us realize something about ourselves uh, a deeper part of us um so we would you know the oftentimes often often and this got to be a lot because i was doing this a lot you know um we, we were doing this every day this yoga was supposed to be an hour it would end up being about an hour about two two and a half hours i would say often often so between an hour and two hours, a lot of times, two and a half hours, it was, it was like some days I would be like, okay, we got to just do this because I got other stuff to do too. Um, <laughs> like build this house, <laughs> renovate this house, um, and all the filmmaking work I do and whatever else I do, whatever else life has for me. Um, but yeah, so I wrote those thoughts down into this book called tripping. And I brought this up because I brought this up. I brought this up to this room that I'm in, that I'm sitting in, because I was worried getting into this podcast that I would have nothing to talk about. And that is obviously not true because I've been talking nonstop for 35 minutes. And uh, that is something. Um, but I brought this up because sometimes I'll flip through it. I've only just gotten this. Uh, a couple of weeks ago now, and I've only done a couple podcasts with it. But the idea is to flip it open to a random page, read what it says, and discuss it and break it down sentence by sentence, talk about what I was thinking about then and how it relates to me now. Is it even true to me now? Is it does it spark anything, you know? And that's the idea of this book. It's supposed to be flipped up randomly and it's supposed to be read page by page. And I don't mean chronologically necessarily, although you could read it chronologically. I just mean that one page is enough. I mean, maybe two, maybe three. If you're, if you're really not, if it's not, if it's not triggering anything for you, but it's supposed to. And you're supposed to be in that mind where you are experiencing something new for the first time, where you have that sense of novelty, right? However that, however that happens for you. And you're supposed to flip to this or, or read it chronologically, and you're supposed to really reflect on it and actually add to the page if you want. So it acts as a journal as well. I just flipped to this randomly, and this is very interesting in brackets. I'll read this and I'll go through it because this is a continuation basically of what I was talking about. While in the third eye chakra after a Kundalini awakening, that's all in brackets, Ramadasa sa se so hung, 
the healing energy. I saw a vision of clouds and a feeling of deep peace in my head, like I was in a cloud city, like the one in Star Wars with Lando. Oh, that was embarrassing talking about Star Wars right now. And, uh, but it was, uh, I actually, I actually visually remember this. And that was something that's so interesting about this yoga that I did is it com it, it combined hard physical activity with meditation and with chanting. So that first chant there that, or that, that sentence that I said, Rama Dasa Sase Sohung is actually, um, a series of words that are to be kind of that are supposed to be kind of vocalized and um it's supposed to have like i said the healing energy right and to me like whoa this is this is crazy you know this is this is me not explaining not explaining much but this is me talking about a kundalini awakening which is which happened to me often um because it was kundalini yoga i was doing and i was doing it as best as i could i was doing it every day we did it every day for 10 months basically and it was uh i would have kundalini awakening sometimes you know the combination of cannabis really intensified things made it feel much more original than it would have without it and this is in the third eye chakra so that means the uh, sixth video of the seven video series that we would follow after Kundalini awakening. So the third eye chakra is kind of associated with your mind, right? It's associated with observing what is beyond your visual eyes. It's for your brain. Like when you have anxiety, you are creating imagery and, and might not be imagery for you, but you're creating scenarios that you're imagining. And when you are imagining something that you've never seen before, this can be in something not anxious, but you can imagine if you, if you need to build, if you need to build a table, you start to think in your mind, okay, well, the table could have straight legs. It could be flat table. It could, it could go to the legs or it could go beyond. Do I want it to come past the legs? Maybe I want the legs to be angled. How would I do that? What do I need to use? You are using your brain to do that, but you're, you're kind of creating something observable and you might observe it. You might actually be able to close your eyes and actually kind of create an image and it's not like you're visually seeing an image but it's there it's there in a sense and so that's what activating the third eye and this is some chakra new age bullshit talk but the third eye chakra and that is what awakening that through a kundalini does is it creates visions it creates very 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 vivid visions and this would have happened to me at the end of the session there's this deep restful lay down it's called uh it's called shavasana and that is when basically i would be experiencing what i describe here and i don't describe what this did to me having this vision but 
I, I described as accurately in a vision sense, like a, like a visual sense, as accurately as I could here. I saw a vision of clouds and a feeling of deep peace in my head. Like I was in a cloud city, like the one in Star Wars with Lando. So I guess I do kind of describe the feeling, a feeling of deep peace in my head. But it's not just peace. Like this was a feeling of bliss. And if you've never experienced, well, actually it wasn't quite bliss. Bliss, I've experienced the Kundalini awakening of bliss. And that's with the crown chakra, which is the seventh video. And, and that does feel different than this feeling that I'm experiencing here, but it's a feeling of deep peace. And it was through this connection, right? I had to connect something that was going on in my brain, in my third eye to my physical self. So laying in there, laying down after this extreme experience of Kundalini awakening and resting into it and just feeling at peace. Um, and, and visually, I was traveling and some people can say, oh, this is a out-of-body experience. But to me, this is my brain uh, firing and creating massive amounts of chemicals that that are, it's basically like dreaming. Um, I was traveling through clouds that were not white, but the color of the ones in the cloud city, you know, kind of like reddish, orange, peach kind of almost. And traveling through that and just feeling like I was okay and feeling so restful and so beautiful, feeling the, the feeling of, I mean, the feeling of deep peace. Can you imagine that? That is something that we don't feel from in a day-to-day -day world. When do you feel that? Do you feel that when you're, you know, sending an email, when you're communicating with your team, when you're working on a spreadsheet or banging a nail or cooking a burger? Do you feel that sense of deep peace? I think we can feel degrees of peace in our, in our day. And I think deep peace is just on one of those extreme levels where um yeah you might you might feel it you might feel it after a very good workout you might feel it after a very powerful experience and that's exactly what i was feeling because i had just had a very powerful experience and this was part of the powerful experience and uh yeah that's what I write down in here. And so that's uh, a page that I just talked about. I'm going to mark that. I talked in my last podcast that I might revisit them and I might, but I'm still going to document when I've actually talked about them. And the way I'll do that is I'll get a pen and actually write, you talked about this in this podcast. And I always date my podcasts in folders and name them and all that shit. So Thanks everybody for watching. Thanks everybody for listening. I, I really appreciate you guys. Like the, this podcast is growing and that feels really special. That feels so cool. And like I've gotten some really, really nice comments on the, on the latest one. I think we're three episodes behind right now, but I uh, got some really nice comments from people that were like, 
this is really cool. Like I, I feel like a lot like this and I kind of want to be like the way you're talking. And this is very, it's very cool to know that this is out here. And to me, I was like, whoa, somebody else feels similar to the way I feel. That is really cool as well. I feel the same way, even though this was just a comment that somebody made. Uh, there was another comment that was like, it's amazing to listen to somebody be as vulnerable as you're being. And it's very interesting as well, which was cool. You know, it's like, uh, I kind of like when somebody says, oh, it's, it's really cool that you can be so vulnerable. It kind of has a little bit of mixed feelings with it. It's like, okay, all right, whatever. But when somebody's like, oh, it's actually very interesting to see somebody as, as vulnerable as this. And, and in that way, kind of entertaining, right? When something is interesting, it is entertaining. And so that was cool because I was like, that's what I was hoping for. That's what I'm hoping to create here is something, something actually listenable. Like, I don't want to create this podcast for nobody. Like I want to create this podcast and, and because I think it would be really cool to listen to something like this too. And, uh, yeah, so it, it was very, very nice to hear that. Um, and just a little selfless plug as well. The book is called tripping. It's on Amazon. You heard me read one page out of this. And if you go, if you wait long enough, if you wait, 150 days or not even 150 days 150 episodes of me flipping through this randomly you won't have to buy the book because i'll have done an episode on every single page by then um but if you want to if you want to read ahead if you want to catch up if you want to think things um if you want to maybe visit a subject and then wait for me to get there and then you'll be like oh i can flip to that book i can find that, what did I write there? Oh, I wrote all of this about that subject and it's totally different or it's, it has these similarities or uh, mine is interesting because, and his is interesting because, and whatever, you know? So that is why you would get this book. You would get this book to think new thoughts and it is linked in the description. You can get the paperback. I recommend getting the paperback. It's 10 bucks uh canadian and 10 bucks american i always hated as a kid that there was the american and canadian prices and the canadian prices were always more even when our dollar was very similar and we were still paying more for our books for some reason i hated that so americans you have to pay the same as canadians now 9.99 on amazon um hope you guys check it out there is a Kindle version as well for, for you that is uh, much cheaper. Or if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can actually get it through that. And, uh, you know, you might still benefit from it. But I really do think this book was meant to be a paperback. It's supposed to be like a little Pulp Fiction little thing. <laughs> pulp Fiction. Uh, is that what it's called? Yeah, Pulp Fiction. I just think of the movie. But um, it's supposed to be like feeling like you would just find this in a bookstore. And, and you'd be like, oh, cool. I'll... I'll keep this on me for the next little while while I go through life and then I'll pass it on and it'll end up in a bookshelf at a cafe somewhere. And it's like, that's what I want this book to feel like. And I feel like that's accomplished. So I'm very, very happy with that. Uh, I am doing some, some changes to it. Um, I'm putting a disclaimer in there. I have a forward that's basically a disclaimer, but I'm putting a more, a, a better disclaimer in there. And, uh, I'm formatting it slightly different. Some, some very slight formatting differences. Um, just 
putting basically sentences on their own lines a, a couple more times than they have been. Um, so very, very minor changes. But, you know, you might get a rare copy of this book if you order now because there's going to be a little shifty shoe there. Um, and, yeah, thanks, everyone. There's a Patreon as well if you want to check that out. I don't do anything on there, so you probably don't want to check it out. And that is totally fair. Thank you all for watching and listening, and we'll see you next week. Oh, one little update. I know it's really hard for me to leave for some reason. Um in September, when this is coming out, when this is airing, I will be doing and shooting a lot more uh, interviews and guest shows. And I don't want those to actually replace these solo episodes. So solo episodes still coming out Sunday, uh, 6 a.m. 6 a.m., I think. Yeah, they come out in the morning. Anyway, uh, Sunday morning. And... Uh, and then I'm going to also do maybe Wednesday, maybe Thursday. I don't know yet. Um, and during the week, I'm going to drop a guest episode. So I'm going to have two episodes per week of this show, but they're going to be quite different from each other. Um, and I hope to get very, very interesting guests who we can learn something from. I can learn something from. You can learn something from the conversation that we have. Um, and you can kind of get a grasp of who these people are and why they think the way they think and yeah it'll be it'll be similar to this because it has me in it but it's it'll be a lot less me it'll be probably a lot more uh about the guest and that's because when you can't get real famous guests who are always always on podcasts and know how to podcast you end up with people who don't know how to just have a podcast with somebody else and they um they need to be interviewed a little more you need to like coax it out a little bit and and also too i i'm not that good at it either like i need to learn like i'm still new i i can do it a little bit but you'll see just listen to those episodes you judge for yourself tell me how they are um maybe i do know what i'm doing because i do know how to ask questions i do like i've been interviewing and doc and like through documentaries for for i don't know seven years now eight years I have done a lot of podcasts in the past. I do have some experience with this. I am a confident uh, person in myself and that goes a long way. And uh, I I do feel passionate about this. I feel interested in this. So I think the episodes are gonna be great. There was a little self-doubt there uh, during the description, but I think they're gonna be great. I think you'll love them. Check them out every Wednesday morning. Let's just go with that.